this is a sobering moment right now that we realize that everyone in this room, we're Barabbas. The greatest exchange of all of history happened just a little bit before the cross where there was Jesus, the holy son of God, blameless son of God, and Barabbas, the notorious sinner, criminal, thief. At one end, there is a thief that took away life. And on the other side of this thief was Jesus, the giver of life. I want us to turn to Matthew 27 really quick. Because I feel the Holy Spirit here, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be long. But I want to follow up that drama with this actual scripture so you could have understanding. What a powerful drama. Matthew 27, verse 11, and then New Living Translation. And you may say, what kind of Resurrection Sunday's message is this. I'm going to tell you that the resurrection message is, hear me, hear me, starting with what prophetically happened with Jesus and Barabbas. I'm going to tell you that the story of redemption, the story of the great exchange that before Jesus even went on the cross and officially did it, there was a moment, a brief moment, that in my opinion, prophetically sums up the reason for Resurrection Sunday. There was a man called Barabbas, which is all of us in this room. And there's a holy man, Jesus, standing in the same time, in the same place. And there was a decision that was about to be made to let one person go. And you would think... It is the Son of God. You would think it would be a blameless, blameless God. I want you to see this in Resurrection Sunday, that this is the purpose for the cross resurrection, this moment right here. This is the purpose Jesus went to the cross, to take our place. Bible says, now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus replied, you have said it. But when the leading priests and the elders made their accusations against Jesus, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all the charges that are bringing up against you? Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges. Much to the governor's surprise. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. And the crowds gathered before Pilate's house in the morning. He asked him, which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus call the Messiah? He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. 
Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message. Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priest and the elders, the religious leaders, persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted back, Barabbas! Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? And they shouted, crucify him. Why, Pilate said, what crime has he committed? Pilate already knew. What crime has Jesus committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. Pilate saw that he was getting he wasn't getting anywhere and that the riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I'm innocent of this man's blood. I'm almost done because this is the only place you see the story of Barabbas here, this moment. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back, we will take responsibility for Jesus' death, we and our children. Boy, have they. So Pilate, listen, released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus to be flogged with a lead-tipped whip and turned them over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. As you saw in this drama, as we see closer this story, I want you to see this. I'm going to skip some things because I want to really minister to you. The Holy Spirit wants to minister to you. Here's Jesus and Barabbas staying on the same stage just for a moment. They're standing on the same stage. You have the Holy Son of God and the notorious prisoner. And there was a custom that one would be released. But I want you to see the name Barabbas and what Barabbas means. I want you to see this. The name Barabbas is Bar Abbas. Bar meaning son. In the Aramaic, the word bar means son. Abbas or Abba means father. But in the Aramaic and Hebrew, the word bar is son. And the second is abaktha, which means God-given. In the Greek, when you combine bar and abaktha, they get Barabbas, which is God's given son of the father. When you combine the meaning of bar and abaktha, it means the fathers, the fathers, God-given son. That's what Barabbas means by title. So on one end, you have the true son of the father. And you have the false son of a father. There's, but there's one that's the title by name and one that is reality. There's one that is the holy son of the father. And in one Greek translation, it says that Barabbas is the son of a father. A father. It says Barabbas means the son of a father. So here you have two sons of a father. And as the progression goes, and as you saw, we start seeing in this moment, 
the Father in heaven having to choose which one he will let go because he knew that Jesus was already authentically the Son of the Heavenly Father. But the Father's goal was that through Jesus' sacrifice, we would all become sons and daughters of the Father. That's the goal, that Jesus went on the cross to restore relationship with humanity that was lost when Adam sinned. The goal was he missed us so much that he sent his son. He sent his son, the only begotten son of the father, so he could make Barabbas the son of the father. The only begotten son had to die so that you and I could become sons and daughters of the father. No longer would Barabbas be called the son of a father. But this time, Barabbas would eventually be called the son of the father because of the one of the son of the father went to the cross, chosen by God himself before the foundation of the world. Barabbas, the notorious son of a father, got set free by the heavenly son of the father. By name, they're, they're both the same, but by identity they're different. And you know what the Bible says? You know what the Bible says? That the greatest love that happened, one of the greatest reasons for the love of God, is not just so he could die. Are you ready for this? One of the greatest reasons for the exchange is so that you and I could be called children of God, sons and daughters of the living God, no longer just a son or a daughter of a father. Now Jesus looks at his disciples and says, one day you'll say, our father. He's not just my father, he's your father. And because what I'm going to do on the cross, there's going to be a great exchange, and you will no longer have your chains. You will no longer have your sins. I'm going to take it so that you can be forgiven, but you could be part of my heritage and be called a son by my father. First John chapter 3, verse 1. It's up there on the screen. It says this. Are you ready for this? How great. And what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Wait, wait, wait. What great love. The Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called. Another translation says, sons and daughters of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God. That title was not given to us until after salvation. Because Jesus looked at the Pharisees and says, you guys are the sons of the devil. But after the crucifixion, He goes... My son, my begotten son, got let go in that moment, that decision-making moment. By the way, it was from that moment onward that determined what was going to happen next. Listen to me what I'm about to say. It was from the moment that Jesus and Barabbas stood face-to-face -face waiting for one decision that changed all of history. 
What if, what if Pilate gave in to the compassion and warning of his wife and said, you know what, I'm not going to go through this. I order him not to be done. But God has already said that. He was already set in place. That moment, that moment right there where the decision was made to let Jesus go, take the chains and be crucified and let the criminal go, was a prophetic example of the power of Resurrection Sunday and Resurrection Today here. The reason why we're here with no chains on our lives is because one day the Father said, don't take Barabbas, take the Son, take my Son. Don't take Barabbas because they're going to be Barabbas. I'm going to change their name. They're no longer going to be the son of a father or the daughter of a father. They're going to be the daughter of the heavenly father. The son of the heavenly father because of what this, my son is going to do. Can I hear an amen? And to me, this, when I was studying this, to me, could it be possible that the prophet Isaiah actually saw this? Could it be possible that when he prophesied in Isaiah 53, he just didn't prophesy the cross? Could it be that the Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah saw way back, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, the moment of Jesus and Barabbas standing together and him being led away? Why do I believe that? Because the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that he was led as a lamb to the slaughter and did not open his mouth. You do not see Jesus being led away prior to Jesus and Barabbas' encounter. It was only after the encounter of Barabbas and Jesus that he was led away to be whipped and crucified. Yet the Bible said in Isaiah 53, he was led away like a lamb to the slaughter. Could it be that it was this moment that Isaiah the prophet saw that Jesus was being led away to die a criminal's death so we won't be the spiritual criminals anymore? I know we've all read it before, but can we read it again? I think it's a good refreshing course. Look at Isaiah 53. Look at Isaiah 53, what it says. This is beautiful. Here on Resurrection Sunday, let's read it again. As through the eyes of a prophet that saw Barabbas and Jesus and the decision that was being made that would change all of eternity and all of human history. That one exchange. Jesus, the Son of the Father. Barabbas, the son of a father. I want to pause and say some of you guys, you feel that way. You feel rejected. You feel you, you, you don't have a purpose because you don't have a father. You didn't have a, a mother. You didn't have this. And you feel like you're just a title, but you don't have the reality of this. And at the end, you're going to have this reality. Look at what it says. But Jesus was pierced. This is Isaiah the prophet hundreds of years before looking into the future and seeing the crucifixion he was pierced for our rebellion crushed for our sins he was beaten so we could be whole he was whipped so we could be healed look, look at this look at this all of us like sheep have strayed away we have left God's path to follow our own yet the Lord has laid upon him the sins of us all he was oppressed and he was treated harshly, yet he never said a word. Now watch this. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before his shearers, he did not open his mouth. Let's keep reading. 
unjustly condemned. He was led away. Do you see this? Do you see this? No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. Pause. That's Jesus and Barabbas. That's a great exchange of God and humanity. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and to cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering, watch this, say sons and daughters. Say sons and daughters. Say sons and daughters. The great exchange was about to make a false son a real son. Now watch this. I want you to hear the mind. Yet, watch this. When his life is made an offering, he will have many descendants. The moment that the descendants process started happening was when the father said, set Barabbas free and send Jesus to the cross. And I believe that Pilate must have thought, you know, I have the final answer. You need to say something, Jesus. And I can believe that Barabbas at the same time said, the people love me. It's the popular vote of the people that set me free. Neither of those are true. It wasn't Pilate who was the pilot of the ship. And it wasn't Barabbas who won the popularity vote. It was the goodness and love of the Father towards humanity that said, I love the vile, notorious sinner because I have a plan. I'm not going to waste the blood of my son. He's going to die a gruesome death so that one day I have many sons and many descendants. You know what the Bible calls Jesus? The firstborn of many brethren. Come on, of many brethren. And I'm going to close with this. This is powerful. While I was studying the life of Barabbas and Jesus, listen to me. The Lord spoke to me and said, this is an example. Barabbas and Jesus. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Barabbas and Jesus is not only an example of us being Barabbas and being inherited in the kingdom, but it's also a foreshadowing prophetic example of the Passover. And I, I said, Lord, I see, I, I, let me... I don't understand. Show me. I started digging the scriptures. And I realized something. In Exodus, they had to get a spotless, blameless lamb. Watch this. Watch this. Kill the lamb. Put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of the doors. And you say, what does that have to do with Barabbas? I'll tell you what it has to do. Because the lamb was slaughtered to protect the firstborn son of Israel. It was Barabbas, the son of a father, and the lamb in Exodus was slain, and the blood was put on the doorpost to protect the sons of Israel. You said, it doesn't have to do that. It was automatic. No, if it was automatic, there would not be an instruction for the children of Israel to kill a lamb and to put blood over it if it was automatic that he was going to just pass over the Israelites. No, he was going to kill, the death angel was going to kill the firstborn son. He was going after the, uh, the other Barabbas. 
He was going after the other Barabbas because they was rebellious and they had rejected God. And the other notorious Barabbas in Exodus deserved it. And he was going after, I'm going after the first sons, watches of Egypt. He didn't just say, I'm going after the Egyptians. He said, I'm going after the first sons in the land of Egypt. Well, guess what? The Israelites were living in the land of Egypt. So on one end, judgment came on the first son in Exodus, in the Passover. But the blood was slain, a perfect lamb was slain so that the blood could cover. And when the death, the Bible says, not Pastor George, the Bible says when the death angel saw the blood in the Israel's home, he would pass over that house. Guess what would happen, church? I know this sounds like blasphemy to you, but read the scriptures for yourself and you'll see it. If there was no obedience in the children of Israel to put blood over their doorposts, that death angel would have struck that house. If it was automatic, there was no need for specific instructions. And if you read the book of Exodus chapter 12, he said, don't come out until the morning. Stay in your house. If it was just, hey, I'm an Israelite. He's not going after me. No, there was judgment on the land. And anyone that didn't put the blood of a lamb over their house, their first son would be destroyed. Guess what? Barabbas and Jesus is a picture of the Passover. Because Jesus, watch this. Jesus died. For the firstborn son of Israel to be saved. Jesus died so that a son of a father, probably the firstborn, we don't know, could be saved in Barabbas. And it wasn't until Jesus took our place and took our sins that we went from notorious Barabbas to righteous Barabbas. It wasn't until Jesus went on the cross, died for our sins, and we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior that we went from notorious sinner, prisoner, bound Barabbas to a son, Bar Abbas, the son of Abba. That is the story of redemption. But you know what even further? The story of Jesus and Barabbas does it only share the story of redemption. It shows one beautiful thing that we, you and I, are not set free by our good works or our merits. We're set free by the depth, the height, the width, the length of God's love that no one could understand. No one could understand. Barabbas was not set free because he was good. Barabbas was not set free because he was righteous. Barabbas was not set free because he did good works. Barabbas was not set free because he prayed a lot. Barabbas was not set free because he attended the temple faithfully and church faithfully. Barabbas was set free not on his merit. For you are saved by faith through grace. You are saved. Not of your own lest any man should boast. Bravis' brief encounter shows the power of the exchange. I'm going to leave you with this, and I'm closing. You heard it in the drama. The story of Barabbas and Jesus is the story of the resurrection. The, the story of Barabbas and Jesus 
is prophetically the story of one life that doesn't deserve salvation, but God gave it anyways. You know what I love about the pure love of God? Is that He never changes. You can't stop His love. He's more powerful than you. He'll come after you and he'll come knocking at your door and you could be dark and you could be sinful and you could be bound and no force on heaven on earth is greater than the force of the love of God that is going to exchange places with you. He is wanting to switch places today and today you and I are Barabbas and he is Jesus and the Father is saying which one shall I take and he still says I'll take Jesus to be taken your sins and I'm going to have Barabbas the son of a father to be let go with no merit whatsoever because I simply love them that much but the challenge is don't stay with your chains Barabbas even Barabbas had a choice there's one good thing that Barabbas did this is one lesson that we can all learn from Barabbas is that Barabbas could have been like you and I and said, I don't deserve these chains to come off of me. He's holy. I am not. I'm tired of playing church. Even those of you who are backslidden, you feel condemned because you feel like, oh my gosh, I haven't come to church in a while. I haven't read Bible in a while. I haven't prayed in a while. I don't deserve God's love. And as God is making that choice and says, I'm going to do it all over again. Here's one good thing that Barabbas did that we all need to learn from. He didn't fight. The chains being on him, even though he knew he didn't deserve them on him. When they were taking the chains off, he said, go ahead and take them off. Go ahead and take them off. For instinctively, I know that these chains are coming off because that man right there is taking my place. He didn't say, oh, no, I deserve this change. Oh, no, no, no. You don't understand, Pastor George, Pastor Jesus, Pastor Paul, whatever you want to call. You don't understand. I've repented a thousand times, and I've hurt God's heart so many times. God says, give me your chains. Why are you trying to hold on to something that I gave my son for you not to have? As a matter of fact, can I say something? Your chains are too pricey a cost for you to keep for yourself. He paid the price so that your chains could be going. He's free. She's free. And the chains that you had is being put on Jesus. And Jesus is going to the cross. He says, and at any moment from now, all the you know the Bible says the sins of the world were on him. All of them at one time. Supernaturally, all the sins came on Jesus' body. I'm going to close with this. And I'm going to ask you today to let Jesus take your place. I want you to look at yourself as Barabbas, not as the notorious sinner that has no hope but that the notorious sinner that's about to get his chains broken willingly by Jesus today again you may say but it's the hundredth time I come to the Lord God says I'll take it all over again look at the last scripture and then we're going to pray Romans chapter 5 verse 6 and 8 
Romans chapter 5, verse 6 and 8. I want us to read this together. Are you ready? We never do this, but I want you. One, two, three. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet, perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. I want you to shout this. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How, how, how does he demonstrate his love? While we were still sinners, he died. Not when we were righteous did he die. He didn't wait on the cross to say, I'm going to wait till they recognize who I am. I'm going to say, who's your daddy? You better tell me who's your daddy. He didn't wait for that. He says, I'm going to go without them acknowledging me. And while they're in their chains, I want to die for them. While they're sinning at me, while they're cursing at me, while they're doing all that, I'm going to demonstrate that I'm going to love them enough to take their chains off. Today, your chains may not be physical, but they may be lust. They may be anger. They may be addiction to some sort of drug or narcotic or alcohol. Your chains may be depression and loneliness. Your chain, if I could be honest, may be your secret sin that you don't want to let go. But sons and daughters of God, I plead with you today, give him your chains. Give him your sin. Give him your bondage. Because he will not move from Pilate's place until Barabbas gets his chains taken off. I want everyone to stand. Worship team, if you could come up. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.